This is Ruth Stroud for Ruth Talks Food, and today we are talking to Beth Marlin Lichter. Hello, Beth. Hi, Ruth. <laughs> How are you today, Beth? I'm pretty good, considering, you know, the status of life during coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all feeling it, and uh, everybody's trying to make the best of a kind of a challenging situation here. So, um, but, but Beth, you know, I haven't seen you in some years. Um, I knew you when you lived down in LA, I believe, right? Yep, that yep. was some years ago. What, how many years ago was that actually? Um, we moved from LA where I lived since the late seventies through 2008, uh, where okay. I had a nice career, met my husband, raised two kids and had a big, community of family and friends. And in 20, 2008, we moved up to San Francisco. And then two years ago, we moved up to Portland, Oregon, where I am now. You know, um, we moved from San Francisco, which we all know is a charming jewel box of a city with humongous problems. Um, and we wanted to, well, my husband retired, and and we thought we wanted still an urban setting, but uh, access to lots of recreation, mountains, rivers, um, beaches, and um, a little less kind of um, congested, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, and it's been pretty wonderful. Um, it's a huge food city. I didn't really recognize that until we arrived here um, and realized that you can eat a food truck dinner by a wonderful chef uh, <laughs> for about $10 a piece and sit in a beautiful little enclave um, with, uh, you know, some really wonderful like-minded people. And um, so, yes, Portland's been pretty wonderful. Um, and as far as food goes in Portland and, yeah. and a comparison to San Francisco, um, the prices in San Francisco were very, very high for dining out, uh, groceries. Here, everything's just a little more mellow. Um, and, um, yeah. you know, brick-and-mortar restaurants, um, a lot of the chefs start out with a food truck um, and then mm -hmm. move on to, um, you know, a, a brick-and-mortar. I mean, of course, now the industry is in a state of chaos and collapse and oh that it must be oh it's very sad it, it's, like it is here i yep. mean we're all wondering if uh you know in southern california where i live it's we're all wondering if there'll be any restaurants left because they're all struggling of course and many of them probably won't be here yeah you know yep mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes one of your uh restaurants which has been a staple of mine for well since i moved to los angeles many years ago was nate nal's deli Beverly Hills. Oh, right. And they just closed. <laughs> they I are believe. gone. And yeah. aside so from my, yep, aside from my grandmother, uh, Del Margolin's um, matzo ball soup, that was my favorite ever. <laughs> uh, tell me just a little bit, just for people that don't know you. I mean, you're very accomplished in it and, and your background isn't necessarily in food, right? It's in music. Mostly, Not right? at all in food professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a musician forever uh, in LA. I was a rock and roller in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, I had my first child in 86 and um, started uh, recording, writing and recording music for children. In 1990, I signed with BMG as Bethy, mm -hmm. children's recording artist. And 
Right. Went, right. spent about a decade doing that, um, sang at the White House, wrote for Disney TV and Sesame Street Live and did all the, the writing and producing with my partner in music, John Baker. Um, and so that was a lovely part of my music career and took a long break to raise a couple of kids. And when I arrived in San Francisco, I kind of picked up along uh, the lines of a singer-songwriter. When I moved to Portland, I reconnected with an old dear friend named John Dodge, who was a wonderful musician, singer-songwriter in his own right. We met in Missouri, in Columbia, Missouri, way back when, like 40 years ago, as budding mm -hmm. musicians. And I discovered that he lives in Portland now, and in the last year and a half, we've been working as a duo, uh, which was uh, cut short, of course, by um, the need for social distancing. Yes. Yep. But that's yeah. what I have been recently doing musically. Have you been trying to work remotely like so many people are? I mean, I'm seeing a lot of musical collaborations via Zoom or whatever people are using. You know, we haven't. And I think it's because I'm so shaken psychically that I can't focus on music at the moment. I'm focusing on on kind of survival things that bring me uh, just comfort and require a lot of of time and patience and activities such as cooking and yeah walking and that's and interesting i i think a lot of people are finding that I, I am too i mean it's like different people keep asking me so what are you reading and what do you do you know different mm -hmm. things like i should be doing something productive and are you <laughs> writing your memoir and i say uh well i intend to <laughs> But it's like, it's very hard to focus. And I, I think food is something immediate. We all have to eat. So perhaps um, that's why more people are doing it. Do you think? Uh, uh, absolutely. I think it's twofold. One is the necessity of being isolated, right? So you can't just run out and have, you know, a pizza at the stand, you know, your favorite pizza stand or whatever. You need to be at home uh, preparing food. So whether you are a very accomplished cook or not so much or have never cooked a meal in your life, you still have to provide sustenance for yourself. And you can embrace that on many levels. And for me, um, when I had my first child, um, my husband looked at me. Now that was, that was, was in that my, Rachel? That was Rachel. And Rachel, that was in, right? Uh-huh, yep. I hadn't really cooked at all before she was born. And my husband said, you know, you're going to have to learn to do this. We can't, you know, be going out all the time. So at that point, I embraced cooking as a, as a way of nurturing and being of service to my family. And that was the inception of this kind of deep satisfaction that I get out of making something that not only do I find comforting and delicious, but that that gets other people happy as well. Um, and so that's continued. I mean, all through our years of raising kids in LA, we were always having um, folks over for um, dinners, barbecues, potlucks. My, my love of, of cooking and sharing food began then. However, um, I go through bursts where I'm very, I feel like, I'm very creative with cooking and I tackle complicated things or things that just take a lot of time and preparation. And, and then for a week, I don't even want to look at the kitchen. I, I can't do this consistently. When I had to provide 
three meals a day for two kids and a husband. Uh, I went a little bonkers and um, we ended up with a lot of uh, delivery food, I think. When um, this thing hit, uh, and my husband and I have been at home since March 5th, and this is April 29th, um, I just decided to go into my recipe box and um, not only retrieve old family recipes and, and things that I know I love as comfort food, but to um, try some new things. Now, I had made a New Year's resolution this year for 2020 that I was going to go through all of Yotam Odalengi's cookbooks and learn to cook yeah. with new spices and yeah. flavors. And and I was uh, I was bookmarking the recipes I had gotten through um, Simple, his cookbook Simple, and I was working on Plenty. <laughs> and then um, then I was not able to. Um, to go out to the stores and shop the way I usually do, which is that I decide to prepare a meal and I go out and I grab the ingredients and I either make it that day or the next, but I have, you know, everything, uh, the, a cornucopia of ingredients to choose from. These days we're ordering uh, and having all of our food delivered because I'm, I'm at high risk health wise to the virus. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I have an underlying autoimmune disorder so and i'm oh, i'm okay. a, over 60 so there you have it but i'm i'm um relying more on staples that i i have and are easy to acquire um but um still wanting to um you know prepare wonderful looking and tasting foods and even starting to share some things uh, i have a friend who's baking loaves of sourdough and he delivered one to us this past weekend, but I started right. a Facebook group, mm -hmm. Facebook group called "Who's in the Kitchen," and I think mm -hmm. I have about fifty-five members. And um, I'm just encouraging. I'm yes. one of them. <laughs> I just am encouraging people to share whatever it is they're eating, whether it's you know cornflakes and milk, or you know um, something um, you know more um, in a, yeah. elaborate. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. I mean, mm -hmm. we're all just home trying to, you know, be creative, use up some energy, feed ourselves well, feel like we're accomplishing something. This sense of of people saying, well, what have you been doing? How productive are you? Well, it's very hard right. psychically to feel or act productively right now. I mean, I go to sleep at night with this huge knot in my stomach. And for about 10 blissful seconds when I wake up in the morning, I have a smile on my face. I kind of have my normal attitude of positivity and joy with waking up to a beautiful day. And then it's like, oh, this is happening. <laughs> so it's really a, a tough one for you. Are you, you're finding it. Um, um, I, I think like everyone else, like a, uh, if the new normal isn't normal. Yes. I'm definitely having a hard time. Um, Mm -hmm. also is it the being confined do you think the most that's the hardest do you think that the the lack of being able to go on with your normal activities to to go out and perform and to travel and all of that and, or get groceries for yourself things like that is that what you find the toughest part of it do you no think? that is not the toughest part of it um the toughest part of it is the kind of uh, nagging, underlying 
knowledge that there's so much suffering happening in the world right now and that you know every day brings bad news and we don't know where the bottom is you know you we just don't know is it mm -hmm. i think it's the it's the health crisis globally it's the economic i don't know what what you call it are we in a depression uh, it's also mm -hmm. very hard because right. we are separated physically from our two children and all family all family yeah. we we live you know we couldn't even drive by you know someone's uh, house and yeah. have a conversation That's from tough. the car we're really far away one daughter youngest daughter lives in london and the others in la oh. so um here we are and we sure. had a family reunion planned for um august in hawaii but uh, you know i oh. don't think that's going to happen well um does food do you think that cooking and so on does that give you like just i i you know more sense of of uh certainty or is it like i think you wrote in one of i think you might have written online on on uh on the site uh who's in the kitchen um that it was a kind of therapy for you is it um yes absolutely it takes um you know some concentration it's creative um my husband george is an incredible consumer of everything that comes out of our kitchen <laughs> i mean he frequently <laughs> that doesn't great. matter whether you know it's uh it's uh some porridge with some currants in it and milk or uh you know a roasted chicken he always says mm, this is the best dot 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 i've ever had <laughs> so you mentioned like a grandmother also i mean were, were your was your mother a good cook your grandmother uh, were you inspired by any of them well my grandparents i was fortunate enough to be raised with all four grandparents within close proximity and i got shuffled off to for sleepovers uh, a lot of weekends uh, and it was wonderful i loved it my grandmothers were like immigrant women who had teeny tiny little apartment kitchens and mostly used um, little mini ovens, uh, toaster ovens to do a lot of their cooking in. And so oh, they weren't especially uh -huh. great cooks, but they knew what I loved and they always prepared it for me when I came over like lamb chops. Oh my God, lamb chops baked potatoes, mm. scrambled eggs for breakfast. I was really easy to please. Um, my mom was uh, a product of the ba the 1950s uh, housewife experiment with supermarkets and having a freezer for the first time and a, and a washing machine in your apartment. And my dad got crazy for frozen dinners. That's kind of all he wanted. And, you know <laughs> convenience yes, foods, yes. And, right you know which was very yeah, big being able then. to go yeah. to a supermarket and buy you know two weeks worth of meals uh, in one shop and um so she was very um excited about the prospect of being kind of liberated from the kitchen so there wasn't anything particularly inspiring uh during my childhood regarding food but i must tell you that it was mainly because my palate was so narrow. I didn't like so many things. I think my mother got frustrated with me. I mean, I really just wanted a hamburger, Uncle Ben's rice, canned corn. Um, for lunch, I liked, um, I had uh, Kraft um, American cheese slices with bologna 
on Wonder Bread with a bag of Lay's potato chips oh. and a Coca-Cola for lunch every single day. <laughs> your, were your kids your kids? One, my kids way? were a little fussy, but now they have um they eat many more things than I do. Are they cooks? They, they like are cook? both becoming your very daughters. accomplished cooks. I must say it's pretty impressive. So yeah. Tell me about, I mean, I've been seeing on uh, uh, Who's in the Kitchen, mm -hmm. just beautiful things that you've been mm -hmm. posting of, of things that you're making. And I wonder, are you, are you trying new things? Is this a time for trying new things? Is it going back to old recipes? Um, what is inspiring you now uh, in terms of your It's cooking? a combination of both. I'm definitely going back to some old recipes like my buttermilk pancake recipe and um, lasagna. I have a uh, lasagna mm. that I've been making for years that uh, can be meatless or with meat. Um, and, um, and then there are things like, I've always, there's a cake. I did post this on, I didn't make this this week and post it on Who's in the Kitchen. It's, it's, uh, uh -huh. it's gluten-free, it's got cornmeal in it and almond meal or flour and uh, lemon and olive oil. And I've had this cake in various permutations. Um, like there's a Breton butter cake in Brittany in France and Italy's got, you know, every region has its own version of the olive oil cake or the almond cake. And, and so I've tried mm. several recipes in the past and each one came out. I was really disappointed with the result. And so I just uh, tried it again. So I'm kind of revisiting uh, foods that I love from um, around the world. And, um, you know, I just Google um, recipes for whatever I'm looking for. And I, and I study the ingredients. And if they all seem like they're things that I like and could imagine would produce an interesting flavor. Uh, and also, if the recipe is not terribly complicated with too many steps, I will... Um, I'll try that. And um, I'm, I'm, it's a combination of wanting to be experimental and then wanting to go back to foods that are, are, uh, they reek of comfort right now. I love things that don't have very many steps in the, in the recipe. And when it comes to bread, I've never tried a sourdough. Um, I, I'm okay with letting things rise for half a day with a couple of punch downs or whatever. But if I can find a quick cake or a quick bread that has a really lovely crunch, crunchy exterior and a, a nice interior, I'm really mm -hmm. happy with that. Uh, so I'm always on the hunt for, um, for those kinds of breads and cakes uh, that don't take, uh, you know, a couple of days to put in the refrigerator and let it rise or um, don't need a lot of bowls. Sometimes in, in recipes when it says, um, you know, mix the dry ingredients together in one bowl. In another bowl, you know, zest the lemon. In the next bowl, you know, do the milk and the eggs. And then put the milk with the eggs and the zest and the flour. And the... I throw them all kind of one on top of another in some of these, in some of these recipes. Because uh -huh. I figure yes. like in the end, if it all comes together anyway with a whisk in a bowl, what's the difference? Are you no, not at or, all. Or not in at your all. family. No, I have okay. no dietary restrictions except that I'm not. I'm not big <laughs> on. Oh, yes. I, I have some dislikes. Strong dislikes. <laughs> oh, and what? What? what Mostly are those? fish. 
I'm not a big fish okay. eater. Uh, that comes from my childhood, from seeing dried out white fish with their heads still on, on the uh, Sunday morning Ooh, um, okay. uh, break the fast plate at my grandparents. Uh, and, and both of my grandparents oh, okay. love things like um, kippered herring and sardines and these little uh -huh. fish that that like are so strong they i just remember my grandmother coming to hug me and she smelled right. like you know kippered herring it's like oh god herring. <laughs> so do you like old recipes or are there any uh heritage recipes from from childhood from uh you know your own family history that somehow um are are, are important to you now um well, I still am a lover of lamb chops, except I don't make them in a little toaster oven. <laughs> I'll grill them <laughs> on a grill and get the best possible lamb I can from a butcher. Um, and, uh, oh, yes, my grandmother uh, used to make me, um, Grandma Dell used to make me egg salad sandwiches for lunches. Uh, we'd um, go to a park usually with my grandfather for lunch and sit on benches and I'd play ball and stuff. But she used to have, I have this bowl, it's a wooden bowl, and I have a, a chopping blade. Uh, she used to give this to my grandfather and have him like pulverize eggs in this bowl until they looked like powder. They were so finely chopped. And then she would add her other ingredients to it. It's a little bit of mayonnaise, a little chopped, minced very finely, onion and celery and a little pepper. And I still, when I see a good-looking um, egg salad in a deli case, oh, yeah, I want that. <laughs> yeah, You love that. And I, yeah. I like to make yeah, it, too. True. In terms of, you say you have your food delivered now. You, you, um, uh, is it from, like, a local grocery or a specialty store or from a variety of places? Well, it's um, our, our kids, because uh, of my uh, sensitivity um, to, the, you know, to the virus, um, just said about a month ago, mom, you can't go into grocery stores anymore. I don't care if you're wearing a mask or gloves or whatever. <clears throat> you're just not doing it. So uh, my older daughter, Rachel, gave us a gift of Blue Apron subscription, <clears throat> which we we started. Um, uh, we got our first order of three meals in a week. Um, and that became something that husband George decided he was going to prepare. This is a guy oh. who's really not cooked ever in his life, and he is making the most wonderful meals um, each week for us. And what I love about Blue Apron is that we choose meals that um, have ingredients or flavors or from different countries where we're really not familiar with the spices. And, um, and it, that has been wonderful. So that's three dinners per week right now. We've gotten a couple of large Costco deliveries, and also um, we're getting uh, Amazon Fresh deliveries from Whole Foods. Oh, so, okay. So can you mostly get what you need, or are you finding there are things you're not able to get right now that you used to get when you were able to go to it's stores? It's very spotty. Uh, I must say, sometimes we get you know, like 80% of what we wanted. Like our, our cost, first Costco order... George said, how many bananas do you want? And I said, oh, I don't know, let six bananas, something like that. Well, 
he didn't realize this, but six bananas meant six bunches of bananas, and there were about <laughs> eight bananas on each bunch. So suddenly I had about oh, no. 50 bananas. <laughs> um, What'd you well, do? Did you yes, freeze them? I ended up freezing. We had smoothies, daily smoothies, and I made banana bread, and then I froze a bunch of them too. So, um, yes. But, well. you know, we don't always get what we want. And there's something very interesting about that too. Psychologically, it kind of, um, it, it enables you to deal with kind of um, the degenerative notion of not being able to satisfy your every desire and urge, you know, to have things when you want things, which has been, you know, symbolic of this whole isolation thing that we're going through. Um, you know, you can't do a lot of the things that you are used to doing and that make you feel good. You can't eat, um, you know, in a restaurant that's been a staple of yours that you go to once a week forever. Um, you can't do those things anymore. So for me, kind of doing without certain foods that I'm used to and love, um, it it's giving me a sense of being a little resilient and adaptable and um being able to rise above uh, a sense of depri deprivation. So instead of feeling this sense of deprivation, I take the things that I have and can use, and I create some beautiful, delicious dish with that. And voila, I've kind of surmounted that feeling of, of um, you know, depression and, and, and desperation regarding our global crisis. Is there is there a thought of where you would go or what you would eat or, <laughs> when this is over? <sighs> Do you have like dreams? Oh like that? yeah, <laughs> I think I'd make a beeline for my favorite food truck, which is Matt's Barbecue Tacos, um, in here in Portland. That would be first stop. That would probably be uh, be lunch. I might have a breakfast first at Sweet DD which is a favorite, uh, oh God, I love their, um, their pancakes. Um, so that's breakfast is Sweetie D, lunch is Matt's barbecue tacos. Um, and um, I probably go to um, Nostrana for uh, pizza uh -huh. at night. Mm, you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there's a list of places that I dearly oh. miss. Uh, hopefully they'll, they'll find a way to uh, to survive. I mean, um, we just don't know what this is going to look like on the other side of things. Um, yeah. You know, is there anything um, in closing that you would um, recommend to people that are feeling it in the, in with regard to food in terms of, uh, and maybe those that, you know, maybe don't cook that much and would like to, to be more adventurous in the kitchen, what would be your advice? With so much access to online recipes and um, videos, instructional videos, um, I'd say, you know, getting down to seeing food as, um, as nourishing uh, the soul as well as the body uh, is definitely something that uh, could be explored and um, a wonderful way to, to, to pass your time right now. Thanks, Beth. This has been Ruth Stroud for Ruth Talks Food. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend and leave me a comment at Ruth Talks Food on Twitter. See you in the kitchen.